This is the Engineering Career Coach Podcast, the only podcast dedicated to helping engineers succeed in work and life. The show is hosted by engineering enthusiast Anthony Fasano and Chris Knutson. Both are professional engineers who found success early in their careers and now work together to help other engineers do the same. Now it's showtime. This is the Engineering Career Coach Podcast, the show for engineers who want to succeed in both work and life. And I'm your host for today's episode, Chris Knudsen. And I trust that this finds you doing exceptional wherever you are or whatever engineering project you happen to be working on at the moment. Now, in this episode, I'm going to be talking with Andrew Morgan on how to lead yourself and others to greater success, touching on the importance of credibility, character, and service-based leadership, and how you can use these to build a career of success in engineering. But before I move into the main segment, I want to share a little bit from our episode sponsor today, PPI. So if you're thinking about taking the FE, PE, or SE exam, I really recommend that you check out PPI, the leader in engineering exam prep. PPI is offering a special 20% discount to listeners of this podcast. Just use promo code COACH at ppitopass.com. Again, that's PPI, the number two, pass.com, and use promo code COACH for a 20% discount. Okay, so let me share with you a quote related to today's episode that's going to bring us into the main segment. This one comes from Tony Dungy, and he tells us that the secret to success is good leadership, and good leadership is all about making the lives of your team members or workers better. With that, let's get into the main segment, how to lead yourself and others to greater success with Angie Morgan. All right, now it's time for the main segment of our show. And for today's main segment, I'm joined by Angie Morgan. Now, Angie is a 20-year leadership expert and founder of LeadStar. She's also a New York Times and USA Today bestselling author of the book Spark, How to Lead Yourself and Others to Greater Success and Leading from the Front. Now, she's also written numerous articles on leadership and organizational excellence, appearing in a wide variety of publications, including Forbes, Fast Company, and Success. And she's even been a dynamic guest on CNBC, Fox News, and CNN. Now, Angie also serves as the director of the Center for Creative Leadership's Partner Network, convening and connecting leading consultancies with the center's innovative thought leadership, research, and development solutions. And prior to creating LeadStar, Angie worked for Pfizer and Merck as a sales professional where she had firsthand experience working in business operations. And all of her leadership experience started after her graduation from the University of Michigan, where she served as an officer in the United States Marine Corps. And she also happens to hold an MBA from the Ross School of Business at the University of Michigan. And somewhere with all of this, she's uh, also found the time to be a mother of two young boys. She's a wife of a retired Marine Corps officer. And when she's not working, she's out running near her home in northern Michigan or reading a book. And Angie, a lot of experience. Uh, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. And I'm only 20, right? I've had a great life, and I've just been really privileged with the tremendous amount of opportunities. So thank you for that introduction. It's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show today, talking about something that I really enjoy having conversations about and sharing what little bit of wisdom I've got on the topic, and that topic is on leadership. On this show and in the writings that, uh, that are out on our blog, I share a lot of insight and information about leadership, uh, also on uh, generalleadership.com, which is another blog that I write for routinely. I know, as you do, that everyone has a definition of leadership, so I'd be interested to hear what's your definition of leadership. Well, thanks for that question. It's a real simple definition that runs a little counter to how leadership is traditionally defined in business. At LeadStar, we define a leader as someone who influences outcomes and inspires others. 
So it's about being of influence and being of inspiration. And that last piece is really related to that, you know, positive example that you as a leader can set. And I say it runs counter to many business definitions because we often hear leadership and management used interchangeably as if they mean the same thing. So our definition is not about positional authority in everything about personal behavior. And I think that's really key because obviously a lot of the listeners that are going to be on this show are likely not sitting in a, you know, what we might term as a leadership position. So like kind of at the top of the hierarchy, what you're telling us is that, hey, it doesn't matter where you sit, you can still be a leader. What are some of those key elements that you think that a person needs to bring to the table if they're filling that role of a leader and doing the influence regardless of where they are in the organization? I believe the most important leadership relationship you have is the relationship with yourself. And in our work, we spend a lot of time helping professionals develop their self-awareness so they understand you know, their strengths and how they can lead authentically through them, some of their weaknesses, and even how to access some of their blind spots, you know, the things that they do that they don't even know that they're doing that perhaps can either push people away or alienate others or maybe even just annoy somebody else, right? I mean, we all have blind spots that access to that information can help us figure out how we can manage our leadership styles so we can build those connections with people. And so a lot of our work really focuses on helping professionals develop self-awareness. And in Spark, the very first leadership behavior that we introduce relates to character because that does form the foundation of anyone's leadership style. And I like to think of character as the manifestation of your values. And I ask professionals all the time, what are your values? What are things that are driving your behavior? And people have to stop for a second and really think about it. And it's not too uncommon for people to not have an answer, but that work is so important because absent, again, just not having that ready recognition of our values can often lead us astray as leaders, behaving unintentionally of how we'd like to be. So it's, it kind of changes around if a lot of people have their own definitions of leadership, maybe think what a leader is. You know, we're sitting here having this conversation about it. It starts internally first, which is, uh, as you mentioned, is probably counter to what a lot of people consider when they think about the term leadership and what it truly means. I want to turn the discussion now and, and move it towards your latest book that came out. Your book's about, it's about sparks. So who and what is a spark and what does leadership have to do with them? So my co-authors and I, we started, you know, as we thought about writing Spark, we thought about all the professionals that we've been meeting through our work with LeadStar and what makes some professionals stand out more so than others. What are they doing differently that makes them the sought after colleague to be on a team that makes them, you know, again, the, the influential person in a group. And we started thinking about the behaviors that they were demonstrating. Again, I think sometimes we think about that go-to person as, oh, they're just demonstrating behaviors that are elusive to others, that are mysterious, and that's just not the case. We think that a spark is a doer, a thinker, an innovator, the person who gets things done, those people who stand out in organization. And we wanted to write about those behaviors to make them accessible to any professional who's seeking to succeed in their career and in their life, and also how they can be of greater influence to other people. What are some of those behaviors that make up a spark? So again, we like to focus a lot on the intrapersonal behaviors before the interpersonal behaviors. So it starts with that integrity, that being that person of sound character. 
somebody who's credible. We write a lot about credibility because I think character and credibility combined really form the foundation of your leadership style. Like if you think about people who you are influenced by, you know, they have to really have both. So again, in a professional environment, you could think of somebody who has sound character, like they're just a really good person, but they don't, but they lack credibility in their role. You know, they don't really follow through. They don't really get things done. They don't pay attention to results. You know that their influence is minimal to you. Again, good person, but doesn't get the job done. Likewise, you work with that other person. Again, somebody who is highly credible, highly results oriented, but doesn't have a lot of character. And you know, you can only trust them so much. And so we start off writing a lot about the combination of the two, credibility and character. Then we also think about Sparks as being competent, being consistent, making you know, decisions and acting intentionally. And then there's a concept we introduce in Spark called service-based leadership. We didn't create the concept, but we certainly, my co-authors and I, were the benefits of learning about service as a result of our time in the military. As I read the book, especially in the service-based leadership comport, in my own experiences coming up through the military, servant leadership was a value within the Air Force that was really shared and through mentorship and observation and whatever was so important to establish that initial foundation. It's something that's uh, that's stuck with me throughout my entire life, my professional life, and even outside of my professional life. So great points. And something I really liked about the book is that you and your co-authors, all of you share a lot of stories, which really, I think, bring to life exactly what you're talking about with credibility and character and service-based leadership. Out of all these different stories, would you mind sharing one with us that had maybe the most profound experience or that led to the most profound experience that you had and why it impacted you so much. In the spirit of service, I'll give you the cliff notes of one that stood out to me and still stands out to me today. When I graduated college, I you know, had to enroll in a six-month infantry officer training course through the Marine Corps, and it was a really demanding and yet difficult environment. It was an academic environment, and I found myself struggling a lot in this environment. I think up until that point, my training to become a Marine had been many feats of strength. You know, there was a lot of physical and mental endurance exercises. And this was the first time I was really being tested on these troop leadership skills, you know, really thinking about how to lead Marines in a combat environment. So I grew up playing with Barbie dolls. I mean, this wasn't my second nature. So I just spent a lot of time really just trying to understand context. And in the environment that we were in, we were surrounded by a lot of really intense and rightfully so instructors. I mean, they had high standards, the standards of the Marine Corps, and there was no getting around them. And there was one officer who intimidated me entirely. And I don't think it was as much him doing anything other than being himself, but I was definitely intimidated by him. His name was Captain Harper, but he didn't go by that. He called himself Coca-Cola because he was the real thing. And he was by far the real deal. In the story I just talk about, I was just scared of him. And yet there was a situation where uh, my grandmother had passed away and he had called me into his office to convey this really sad news. And he took care of me. I mean, he did everything to get me home to my family. I mean, he showed up for me more than a friend would. And I learned so much from him because I learned that, you know, to be a leader, you need to have high standards. You need to be tough on those standards. You can't tiptoe around giving people feedback. They need to know where they sit and stand in the organization. But if at the end of the day, you're not taking care of them, you're not recognizing that they have lives outside of the work that they're doing and those lives are important and you need to figure out how to facilitate 
I think like a healthy balance between work and life and make sure that those home life needs are getting met too. If you can't help facilitate that, you're never going to build a team. And so he stands out to me as somebody who demonstrated this service-based leadership example at my moment of need. And you can imagine my loyalty to him, you know, grew tremendously through that experience. But even, you know, 20 years later, I'm still talking about him. He just stands out. That's really impressive. And, uh, and you're right, it's definitely a great picture of service-based leadership. We'll move from Marine Corps and we'll move to engineers, which is the show caters to. And we have our own way of approaching situations and people. And I'll just use an analysis that a lot of people are familiar with, the Myers-Briggs personality assessments, which I'm sure you're familiar with that as well. And they label, for the most part, label engineers as INTP, which are introverted, intuitive, thinking, perceiving, intellectuals. How does someone who's an engineer employ SPARK principles in, a, let's say, their day-to-day -day operations activities? I'm working with a client right now. It's an engineering consulting firm, and I am not an INTP. I come from a more creative background where there's no right answer. You know, I'm an English major, and so there's a lot of room for interpretation there. I was talking to one of my clients yesterday, one of their managers, and he was telling me that he got selected for jury duty. And I said, oh, you're not going to get it. He's like, why do you think that? I'm like, because you're going to want to know too many details about the case, and they're going to try to appeal to your emotions, and they're not going to go there. I said, they're just not going to be successful with you on a jury. And lo and behold, he called me last night. He's like, yeah, I didn't get it. What I've learned from working specifically with this client, as well as some of the other engineering clients that I have, is that Leadership is leadership, and you have to figure out how to take the principles of leadership and make them your own and your unique style. I think that there are a lot of stereotypes out there related to, you know, how engineers show up in the working world, yet I think engineers who can tap into the more emotional, relational aspect of leadership find themselves, you know, very successful. I was reading Daniel Goleman's article and his work around what makes a leader and empathy is one of those key components. And I think not just for engineers or those people with that similar MBTI style, but, you know, empathy can be a really hard emotion to conjure up if you're just not, you know, naturally empathetic. And so what I find a lot of time with these clients is just helping them consider other person's perspective as they think about building relationships. And that seems to be very successful. Is again, you may not want to say the words empathy, but really helping them view themselves from, you know, a neutral third party perspective if they can find it. Yeah, that's a great way to put it because you're right. I think when a lot of people have, there's baggage around the word empathy and especially in the kind of the circles that I operate in, there's it's certainly not something you're just going to throw, hey, you should be more empathetic. But as you said, from the perspective of how does somebody else look at this or how do you think the person that's sitting across the table from you is perceiving what is going on? And, and as an engineer, you know, most again, most of us have an ability to perceive things. We like to overthink things. And we have this intuition. So tap into your intuition and, and perception and use it to look at, at a, a situation from somebody else's perspective. And if you can do that, that's, you're right, that's going to certainly help you out. And it, definitely in a leadership role. Sticking with the engineers, Let's say I'm a young engineer. I've got a few years of experience. I'm extremely energetic. I'm really highly motivated. How does Spark, this person who's got this energy, how do they operate within a team effectively without alienating other people? 
management is about things and leadership is about people. And, you know, simple exercise I did for a client, and this relates to your question, I promise. I'll just to share a quick story. I recently brought in some Rubik's Cubes to another client, a lot of engineers staffing there. I was kind of fascinated about Rubik's Cubes, you may not know this, is that there are 24 trillion different combinations of mixed up combinations within a Rubik's Cube, but there are 20 moves to solve any of those 24 trillion combinations. So again, you only are 20 moves away from getting it back to its perfect form. And so it's problem solving. And I like to tell professionals, like, you know, people, like if people were Rubik's cubes, we know the 20 moves to get to where we are, but we're not. People aren't Rubik's cubes. We're complex. We're emotional. We're irrational. We're illogical. Yet there are just a handful of behaviors that we can develop that can help us solve, improve, enhance our people problems or our people relationships. And just understanding that leadership is a discipline. It's not like this, you know, it's so soft, it's touchy-feely, it's rah-rah, it's all these things. But no, it's, it's like there's fundamental behaviors that you can develop that can help you solve some of the people challenges perhaps that you're experiencing and just knowing what those behaviors are you know, if you're young in your career, are going to help you along the way and just recognizing that start early. Most people don't get leadership skills development until they get to a managerial role. And oftentimes that's just too late. So try to understand the softer side of the human dynamic and try to build that capability within yourself because it's going to serve you so well in your career. And in many ways too, I mean, again, debunk some of the stereotypes I think that are centered around engineers. For the younger engineers that are out there saying, hey, I'm not in a leadership role, it's, you know, how do I even go about exercising leadership? I mean, you can do it on the project teams that you get assigned to for certain. Everybody works in a team. You're going to be put into a team. You might not be the project lead for that team, but that means that you still can't be applying what Angie's talking about to your role on that team. The other place, which I really think, and I know Anthony would share my thoughts on this as well, another great place to get leadership experience is to volunteer in professional organizations because I've been involved in professional organizations my entire career, and I'm the first one to tell you that not a lot of people actively step up to fill positions. So do that because not only will you make the more senior people happy because there's more people out there involved, but you're going to get an opportunity to really learn how to influence people and to work with them because they're volunteers. And it's a great place to learn leadership right at the ground level. So great input. No, and to add to that too, Christian, that's a really great point. And I think too that often so many of us, we think about how to succeed in our professional environment. We always go back to the job description. What are we hired exactly to do? But it's often being a little bit more curious and paying attention to what successful people in your organization are already doing, that you can find the keys to the habits that you need to be building now that can lead you to more success. And so I think about, you know, young professionals, it could be really way out of your comfort zone to start thinking about going to conferences and building your professional network, but it's going to be those exact areas of discomfort that are going to allow you to be successful. So I think that, you know, networking, the sooner you can start building your relationships, the better you're going to honor your future self because they matter as you grow in your career, and it's better to build the habits sooner than later. Let's say you're an engineer. It's regardless if they're public or private sector, you've already talked about the fact that credibility 
right up there with character is really important. And I want to focus on the credibility piece because for engineers, again, regardless of their public or private sector, credibility is such an important trait in our professional lives. From your perspective, what are the four keys to credibility and how can somebody grow these so that able to exhibit this credibility and that other people can sense it when they work with them? Great question. And so one of the things I find most interesting about credibility, and I'll use you, Christian, as an example, is that you actually determine whether or not I'm credible. There are things that I can do to influence my credibility with you, but you ultimately determine whether or not I'm credible um, in your eyes. Likewise, if we were surrounded by 10 more people, each of those 10 people would all have, you know, there are certain criteria for what makes me credible to them. So credibility is an interesting thing because you kind of have to figure out what makes you credible in the eyes of the people you're seeking to build influence with. So they kind of hold those secrets. And so the first most important way to build credibility with somebody is just to really basically understand what's expected of you. Again, this is not going to be bright lined in your job description. Nobody's going to walk up to you and say, you know what? To be credible, you need to do X, Y, Z. You kind of have to figure it out. And certainly you can ask. And there's just even saying, like, what do you value in relationships? That's a really great way to hear what people come to the table with in regards to how they view credibility. So first and foremost, understand what's expected of you. And then you can influence your credibility by just demonstrating consistent behavior. So we have a phrase here at LeadStar, and it's called the say-do gap. Like, what's the space between your actions and your words? If it's really, really small, you're going to find yourself being of greater influence to the other person. So for example, Christian, say that I committed to this interview, it was all set, and I just totally forgot about it, or I didn't put it in my calendar, or, you know, I blew it off. I mean, again, that would be a chip away at my credibility of building a relationship with you. You hold some information. I got to find that out. I hold an ability to influence through my say-do gap. And then the third piece, and you mentioned, you know, working on teams, we're always going to be working on teams. We work in a knowledge economy. We have to see our success with and through other people. And so the third way to be, you know, to help influence your credibility is just sharing expectations and intentions with individuals around you, especially related to work product. So say Christian, you and I were working on a project and there was a deliverable on Friday and we didn't really discuss it and you came to me and I was completely disappointed by what you had turned in and I, you know, kind of went off on you, you know, and you walked away and you said, well, gosh, you know, Angie, I do you wanted that. Why didn't you just tell me? You know, I had a lost credibility just simply because I didn't share with you expectations and intentions related to the work that we're doing with each other. And so I think that's an easy opportunity for people to think about how to influence is just constantly being able to share your vision, not micromanage people, but share your vision around expectations and intentions. So you can constantly make sure that you're on the same page with people. And then the final fourth key, I should say, of building credibility is if, you know, again, if you know what's expected of you, you monitor your say-do gap. If you're pretty good of sharing your expectations around the way that people work with and together. The final thing is about accountability. How well do you hold people accountable if after you shared expectations, expectations weren't missed? Now, accountability is an interesting word because I think oftentimes we think of it as something as negative, like, oh, we're going to hold them accountable. You're going to be held accountable for this and you're not going to like it. The reality is, is that if, you know, say that I didn't turn in a project for you, Christian, you know, accountability could simply be like, hey, Angie, you said you're going to get this to me by Friday. It didn't happen. What's going on? It's just having a conversation about missed expectations. 
oftentimes in our working environments, those conversations don't happen. Instead, you know, people get hostile, they roll up their sleeves, they do the work of everybody else, and there's some passive aggressive behavior that ensues. So I think about, again, this credibility thing. It's not just one thing, it's a combination of things. And the more you can be mindful of how you can show up credible to other people, again, the stronger credibility you're going to have with them. For the engineers that are listening out there, the importance behind this is, again, is because as professional engineers, or for those that are aspiring to become professional engineers, credibility is part of your makeup. It's part of your business acumen. It's part of you being able to be a contributing component, a contributing part of the firm that you work in. I mean, credibility is more than just a word. It's really going to be how you bring business value to the organization in which you're working. Or if you're in a public sector organization, just bringing you know, the professionalism that's necessary inside those types of organizations as well. So to me, you know, Angie, your four points, hitting on expectations. I love the say do gap. I think that's a, just a great way to visualize you know, how much space is between saying something and actually taking action. I think that's brilliant. And, and the accountability piece, and these are so important for engineers. So if you're listening to this, I recommend hit the rewind button a couple minutes and go back and listen to this again. Or better yet, just go get Angie's book and read that segment of it because it's so important to us as engineers. So thank you for sharing that. Oh, that was going to add to just one point, and I see this quite frequently in business environments, is that going back to that first key of credibility related to expectations and standards, especially in a business environment. I mean, I'm working with a few different engineering groups. And one thing I find is that people tend to stay, you know, again, to exceed standards in the areas that they're comfortable with. And some of the newer initiatives that are coming down the pike, perhaps on the business administration side of the house. And what I find is that, you know, they kind of treat like these standards and expectations sometimes as a buffet, like they get to pick and choose what it is that matters. But the reality is that if it matters to somebody else, making sure that is a priority for you. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a, a great book along this line I would share. It's Stephen Pressfield's Do the Work. We'll link that one up in the show notes. But uh, I bring that book up because, again, this gets down to being a professional, which in my mind really has everything to do with if you say you're going to do something, you deliver and you do it all the time consistently. Next thing that I want to kind of step into, again, this is really aiming towards our younger engineers, but maybe even those that are in the at what I would classify as mid-level. So I've always been a, a staunch believer that leadership starts right where you're standing right now and uh, that you don't have to have the word manager or director in the title to take a leadership role. So, Angie, what would be your advice to the engineer that's out there listening who's afraid to step up and move out in leadership, thinking that, hey, I, I don't have the title, I don't have the position, I just, you know, I've never done this before. What kind of advice would you share with them for them to just, you know, basically put their boots on and, and press out. So I think about going back to the spark concept, what makes people stand out? And a lot of it really relates to some of these self-leadership qualities. And I can, you know, rattle a few off just to give you some examples of what self-leadership can look like in your environment. But I would say, you know, it starts with the ability to prioritize and the ability to manage your time, the ability to be accountable when mistakes happen the ability to you know, develop your credibility and your business acumen with those around you, your ability to build rapport and have candor with people, or even give your colleagues feedback. 
And, you know, again, and accept feedback for that matter too and seek it out to grow and develop your self-awareness. So these are self-leadership skills that you can start to develop and build and, you know, perhaps make into habits that allow you to really be influential in your environment that'll put you in the position of promotion to management. If you can start developing these skills, you can start to think about how then you can take that next step into more of the people leadership role, which are a different skill set. But if you start building your self-leadership skills now, it's going to be a smooth transition into being a people manager, into a people leadership role where you're going to be responsible more for coaching, mentoring, guiding, serving, and really thinking about how to, you know, delegate tasks. You know, you the phrase always is, you know, you don't want to delegate responsibility, but you do delegate authority. So you do delegate people to act on your behalf. And so it's really, I think, about a career progression you can take to really direct your own leadership development. Where can our listeners learn more about the work that you're doing? So our website is leadstar.us. We have every Monday morning a leadership moment that we send to our audience, and it just helps people. First thing, they get to the morning, they grab their coffee, and they can just get in the right frame of mind for the week ahead. And then there are a tremendous amount of resources on our page related, on our website related to Spark. I hate to say this because I'm trying to sell books, but reading a book is really one of the lowest levels of developing your leadership skills. It gives you knowledge, but it doesn't give you the behaviors. And so it's like, you know, you can't read a book on swimming and jump in the pool. You actually have to, you know, get some experiences to be able to swim. And the same goes for leadership development. So we have on our website resources, even a book club study guide that you can take to help learn leadership with others and think about it, talk about it. And ultimately, of course, do, right? Gain those new experiences that can help you professionally. Absolutely. Outstanding. So I appreciate that very much. And everybody that's listening, we'll have links to the Lead Star website as well as the book where you can get up there and pull that down and take a look at it. And I appreciate all the insight that you shared with us, Angie, in the main segment here. And I'm wondering, would you be willing to stick around with me on the Take Action Today segment? Love to. Thank you. All right. Awesome. All right, everybody, we'll be right back. Now it's time for our Take Action Today segment of the show, and Angie has stuck around with me, and together the two of us are going to share a couple additional elements that you can use to spark your engineering career. But before we do that, I want to take a moment to recognize our sponsor for the episode today, PPI. Engineers often ask me what exam prep materials review courses they should use when preparing for the FE, PE, or SE exam, and hands down, I recommend PPI. Now, I personally use PPI's materials to pass my exams, and I recently had a chance to demo their review courses, and it's why I feel confident recommending PPI for those of you planning to take the next step in your career. PPI is offering a special 20% discount to listeners of this podcast. Just use promo code COACH at ppi2pass.com. Again, that's PPI, the number two, pass.com, and use promo code COACH for a 20% discount. Okay, so here's my advice, and I'll use an acronym, ADT. Now, this isn't the security company, but it's Attitude, Direction, and Teamwork. Now, many, many years ago, I worked as an executive officer for a general who drilled ADT into us, and you know what? It's stuck. And what really meant to me is that, you know, if you approach your work with a positive attitude, you have a stated vision and mission, which gives you some direction, and you enlist the support of others as a team, watch out. 
As engineers, we know that no road is built, no building is erected without a team. So approach your challenges with a winning attitude, set a direction, build a team, and then move out. So Angie, what additional advice can you share to the aspiring engineer spark that's out there listening today? Thanks for the opportunity. I think about the concept too of just consistency and readiness. And those are two concepts that I learned in the Marine Corps and you probably learned in the Air Force, especially related to readiness, but they're not talked a lot about in our professional environment of the value of just consistency and readiness. And so readiness is really treating every day like you're ready for game day. And in the military, it's treat every day as if you could be called to operate in a moment's notice. But I think professionally, you have to stay sharp and you have to know when you're dialing down and getting complacent and what you need to do to get your head back in the game. But I think readiness is a critical component of anyone's career success. You know, constantly learning, reading, thinking, expanding your knowledge set, especially outside of the technical areas that I think we all can grow really comfortable with. But in the non-technical areas, perhaps the leadership skills, that'll keep you, again, keep your head in the game. It's in the spirit of continuous improvement, just knowing that you will be able to grow based on the amount of initiative you take, professionally speaking. And so consistency, again, we're not going to operate at 100% every single day, yet we should consistently strive to think of how we can be a good 90% every single day. And a lot of that can be you know, managing your leadership style, managing your emotions, being intentional with what you're seeking out to achieve each day. It sounds like a very disciplined approach to managing your life and managing your career, but through all the successful people I get the privilege of talking with, I've just found that they're highly disciplined and highly intentional with their time and with their efforts and with their actions. So again, I think of readiness and consistency as just two really strong ways anyone um, seeking to succeed in their world can you know, develop the behaviors that'll make them even more successful. Angie, thank you so much for sharing that with us. And everyone that's out there listening, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. We'd love to hear your feedback, comments, and questions. So just go to engineeringcareercoach.com, do a search for this episode on the webpage, and you're going to find a summary of all the key points that were discussed in today's episode, as well as links to all the resources, the websites, the books that either Angie or I mentioned and you can just click on them and you're good to go. You'll have all that information right there. And if you've got questions, please leave them in the comments section or visit the Ask Us tab on the website. Anthony and I monitor all the comments, so we're going to respond if you leave us one. We'd love to hear from you. Go to the website, check it out, check this episode out. And until next time, please continue to engineer your own success. Thank you for listening to the Engineering Career Coach Podcast. Be sure to visit engineeringcareercoach.com where you can find all past episodes and also download a free three-part video series created specifically for engineers to help you best utilize LinkedIn for networking, improve your communication and speaking skills, and also to help develop your leadership abilities. Now is the time to engineer your own success.